This is an interview with the incoming Dean of Princeton University School of Architecture, Alejandro Zeropolo. The interviewer was Ishai Yudekovitz, produced for Attention, the audio journal for architecture. The interview took place on November 30th, 2012 in Princeton. If there is a word that I would like to, to mention about the kind of uh, student I want to, to produce is a little bit of uh, more of an entrepreneurial uh, character that is tough, that is, knows how to go and get things and is not waiting for his or her tutor to have a nice conversation about the kind of good and the great uh, in the world. Uh, but somebody who, who is a little bit more hands-on. That's what I think is missing. We know we have a very strong history and, and theory program. There are books that are being published by this, uh, by this program. It, it is a program with, uh, which, which enters into the public uh, debate. We have nothing like that for computation. We have nothing like that for environmental. We have nothing like that for structural design. We have nothing like that for urbanism. Uh, we have nothing like that for, I don't know, planning, uh, landscape. We, we could imagine a number of other fields growing research. It looks as if we, are, we have like a super musculous uh, uh, leg and the other one that is totally atrophic. And so we are limping. The idea that in order to learn architecture, you need to look at the history of architecture. Uh, the history of architecture, I think, is becoming increasingly relevant, frankly. In the fall of 2012, Alejandro Zeropolo became the new dean of the Princeton University School of Architecture. In this piece, Isha Yudekovitz, a Master of Architecture student, talks with Alejandro about the current state of the discipline, the current state of the school, and his agenda for the next five to ten years of his deanship there. So the, the way I thought of structuring the interview in general is that I'd uh, sort of start by asking you uh, sort of a little bit in terms of like about your background and such, yeah. uh, and then maybe we can go into uh, your involvement with Princeton and uh, what you want to do uh, as dean, mm -hmm. um, and followed by that maybe some questions that are more general about uh, the discipline at large and, and where you think uh, things might be uh, yeah. might be heading. Uh, so if you don't mind talking a little bit about your education in Spain and Harvard and uh, how those two experiences uh, differed, uh, and, and along that maybe you can tell me about what generation of architects you think you belong to. Uh, well, so I am obviously an architect. Uh, I my first professional degree, uh, I, I I got it in in Madrid in 1988. School in Madrid was or is still to today a, a, a very professionally driven yeah. school, uh, as most European schools are. So in Europe you get educated to become a productive member of uh, society. There is no such thing as undergraduate. Uh, uh, and obviously th th there is a kind of ideological, uh, if you want, conservatism in, in some of these uh, schools. But uh, at the same time the, the education that I got, I think, was... Uh, very comprehensive in, in, in addressing a number of areas of knowledge that, that, that I think are important finally for, for the practice of, uh, of architecture, for the practice of architecture in, in the conventional way of practicing architecture, obviously, uh, which is making buildings or designing cities or doing this kind of uh, things. And uh, I always had a certain inclination towards uh, philosophy or theory, probably as a result of my, my family. Uh, uh, and so uh, at some point uh, I 
started to write. And that was very rare in Spain at the time. I think it was probably rare everywhere, but in, in Spain was even more strange to have that kind of inclination. And uh, I was, uh, because I was probably one of the few people who was interested in, in that dimension of, uh, of architecture, I immediately got uh, very good opportunities to become engaged in, in projects. Uh, I happened to meet the guys from El Croquis when I was still a student at the School of Architecture. They didn't really have any interest in theory either, uh, but they knew that they had to have some text in the magazine and, you know, I was a kind of relatively economic alternative at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the fact is that uh, when I finished the, the school in Madrid, I, th I, w I felt that, uh, that maybe architecture was not so interesting if it was just about making buildings. I had this kind of very distinct um, inclination that architecture was something more, that actually the act of making a building in itself is, is actually brutal and boring and uh, maybe meaningless if, if there are no other uh, things that are been, being uh, embedded into the into the into the process. I worked very briefly for Rafael Moneo when I finished uh, the the school. He gave me the idea that maybe there was another place which was Harvard uh, because he was then the the chair at uh, Harvard and and he was in the U.S. and uh, that kind of gave me the 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 idea that that maybe it was interesting to try to expand my, my knowledge and discipline uh, by going there and I went there and I, in fact it was fantastic for, for me because in a way I had a very solid technical background but I and, and on the other side I had a lot of interest in literature and philosophy and art and things like that uh, at Harvard was fantastic was a, was a great moment of of discovery uh, and after Harvard I, I at Harvard I met Ron Kuljas who was my thesis tutor and then after finishing there I went to, to work in Rotterdam and after working in Rotterdam I got a job to teach at the AA and uh, ran a unit for seven years and the second year of running the unit won the Yokohama competition and basically started an office that then did a lot of uh, other buildings after afterwards um, and in the meantime uh, or after I, I finished my engagement at, at the AA which was basically coincident with the moment in which Yokohama started construction uh, remain somehow engaged with um, with the academia until I think 2009 when Stan invited me to to become a visiting professor here. And having come from you know the AA and Harvard uh, and you know a whole bunch of institutions that you were teaching at UCLA etc. What was your what was your impression of uh, how? Princeton functioned and, and operated as opposed to some of the other schools? It, it is a very small institution. It doesn't have, I mean, I, th I think that one of the, the things that you miss compared to other places is a, a certain amount of population in the school of, of faculty. So there's not enough presence, I think, of, uh, of uh, faculty. But also, I don't know where the students go, or it's kind of very quiet. I mean, you go to Columbia, or you go to the AA, or you go to Harvard, and somehow the place is all the time like a pressure cooker. I don't know exactly why here it always feels a little bit, a little bit empty. 
But so, so I mean, that is probably one of the, the impressions that you have from the from the school that is not is not uh, coming out. Is not uh, is not communicating itself. Is is kind of secret things happen, but nobody knows about them. There is not, uh, I think, enough publicness to the activities of the of the school as opposed to Columbia, for example, or, or Harvard or, or Yale. I mean, that was one one of the, the impressions I, I had the, fir the very first time I, I came to to Princeton, and then somehow the 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 students tended to keep asking and engaging in conversations and asking and engaging in conversations and uh, and not actually getting getting down to do something which is something that that uh, I, I i don't exactly know why it happens i i presume that it relates to some sort of critical tradition within the school that uh, you need to do something that is uh, totally resilient uh, and, and it, that it occupies an important it, it, uh, it has a, a kind of deliberateness to it that, and perfection that, that it doesn't I haven't seen in other places mm -hmm. you know I, I for example the two studios I've done in Colombia I thought the students were fantastic and they also I, I was a, a visiting professor at Yale and, and I think that uh, you, you say things and people get on with them but there is a, there is a certain independence that I in my experience as a, as a, as a tutor here I, I missed compared to other to other places and do you think that's maybe part of the reason that uh, that you were made dean because uh, based on, on you know the, at least the, the you know the story I had heard. There yeah. were, you know, the, the runner-ups were people that were far more engaged in theoretical pursuits. Yeah. Um, and I actually remember when when I was admitted, I actually emailed Stan about mm. it, and, and I wanted to find out. Like I, I knew that he was leaving, and I wanted to find out uh, what was going to happen precisely to find out that, uh, you know, to make sure that whoever was uh, made dean sort of maintained. Um, was one that maintained maintained a practice. Yeah. Uh, but is this in some way related to um, your recent article in uh, Harvard Design Magazine about the, the theory of the excuse? But yeah. is, so is, is part of your um, theory of the excuse precisely a, a cure, so to speak, for, um, I don't want to say an over-intellectualizing, but a, a lack of protection? Yeah. Yeah. I... I but I mean, the, the, um, this is not a kind of specific critique to Princeton. I think it's a specific, it's a critique that, uh, in a way, when I when I landed at Harvard, uh, coming from Madrid, I I thought that people were really bright. That uh, the discussion was unbelievable, but that the projects actually were very weak, most of them, by comparison with what I knew in Spain. Mm -hmm. But somehow. Uh, there was almost, and the AA was is a little bit the same in some ways, less but a little bit the same. So this is there is a certain capacity that is constructed in these institutions to invest the the <coughs> the project in a in a discourse that is incredibly sophisticated, and maybe the project is not always that sophisticated. No? So there is a there is a there is a kind of Almost like a textual thinking or a discursive thinking and a, and a physical thinking and a material thinking and and I think that uh, in general the the American education is far more sophisticated. I mean, in terms of theory, Europe is nothing. It doesn't basically nobody thinks. But here you sometimes miss a little bit the the other side, which is the the, the thinking more directly. In, Project. So, would you support um, sort of breaking apart the architect-critic role that has been uh, so prevalent, and I guess ever since Rem took it upon himself, or, or Corbu took it upon himself as a no, I, I am, I am very. I mean, I am obviously very much part of that paradigm. 
And I still uh, think that is a relevant uh, way of practicing architecture. There are some architects in, in the world that are really fantastic architects, like uh, Stephen Hall or, or um, Soto Moura. Those, those two are fantastic architects, but I've never been interested in what they say. And I, I think that eventually I become disinterested from architecture if if I cannot, uh, if it doesn't trigger other things in other in other areas. Sejima, one of fantastic architect, but when she explains the projects, I mean the projects are self-explanatory; they, they don't need an explanation. But finally, I, I think that there is more potential in those architects who are capable of uh, sustaining a parallel engagement with a textual or with a discursive activity. Some people don't think so. But I, I genuinely think that this kind of connection between between the practice and, and its theory is very much part of the, the core of the discipline. I guess I was saying that in terms of uh, relating the architecture world and the art world, where the critic role is a role in of itself, and I'm getting a feeling that the architecture world severely lacks uh, critics that, that aren't mm. architects, that are maybe from the outside. Specialized. That's an interesting question. I guess what I'm trying to get at is what you would think that the new, uh, or, or what, what position you would advocate um, for uh, for students and, and for, for architects to take. And, and some of it is coming from an interview that you did <coughs> when, you, um, when you entered the Belagia Institute. Yeah. Um, that was very famous. <laughs> Do you know that when, the, when I was nominated uh, as the dean of the school, that became the, the main target of why I should not become the dean? I can understand why why one would want to say that because mm. you say uh, you put architecture under attack as, as a critical practice. Mm. Um, you say some things uh, that in Princeton would sound very controversial regarding mm. thesis. Mm. Um, <laughs> do you do you still hold the same the same stance? I I still think that that is a a very good uh, interview at the time and for the purpose in which it uh, happened, which I think is, is something that, um, I, I don't know whether this is my way of, uh, of writing. And I reserve my rights to change my mind uh, all the time. And still thinking that, that the things that I, I write there were, were relevant, probably are not relevant for the specific situation of Princeton. Uh, for example, the issue of the, the thesis is obviously not, not relevant to, to Princeton, but it was very relevant to uh, many, many other American schools. Let's say my book, is, which is called The Sniper's Log, <clears throat> and it's a compilation of texts, departs from the idea that uh, texts are artifacts. They are made to operate on a specific situation. They are not... And, and I... I this is the way I write, and I, I like it. I don't, I don't want to write manuals. I don't, I don't want to write things that are supposedly aimed at uh, lasting forever and being truths. Um, I use text the same, I use, the, the same way I use bricks or, or glass or wood. For a, for a particular issue, there are relevant uh, strategies, and, and for others, not. Or, or, or the, the way I like text to operate is as a weapon also, to, to transform things. Not, not as a kind of general theory where you distance yourself from the world and uh, think about the, the, the concept of the world at, at large. I'm, I'm interested in text to be targeted to get a project through or to... Uh, uh, deploy a certain polemic in a certain environment. It has this kind of immediacy. Do you see yourself doing the same thing uh, throughout your work? I am a person who operates in respect to the to a certain environment and and constructs and operates with tools that 
address these uh, these dif different environments. I guess in, in <coughs> reference to your work, it seems mm. like the interests in the work have, mm. have changed very considerably throughout yeah. your career. Mm. Um, you know, exactly. Yokohama was a very particular moment in, in I think now, sort of in architecture history where, and possi you possibly write about this, mm. um, how there was sort of this uh, truth at the time that you could connect the world through this fluidity and something happens and, and to, from the outside it seems like you realize that maybe that's not the case mm. uh, and you start uh, you start a different project exactly. and, a, and a new new interest exactly exactly i mean the the, the shift between the flows and the, the, li the liquidity of the world and the borderlessness and all these things that that were probably very relevant in 1990 one, which is when I did my thesis at Harvard. I mean, thesis, I did thesis. I, I, elect, I elected to do thesis at Harvard. Mm -hmm. And I think my thesis at Harvard uh, contained the blueprint for my professional practice for the next 20 years. Uh, I mean, I look at it now and I still like it. And I think that in the text is very naive and kind of obviously uh, unaccomplished, but but still it contained the, the seeds for uh, for a longer practice and and this is wh where i think that princeton could produce something truly interesting uh, if we were able to uh, uh, to produce a, a, a really interesting thesis system where, where people were in some ways, constructing the the blueprint of their of their practices in the in the future. Uh, if if thesis is not like that, I think it's pointless to do it. So your your goal for the students is to transition into practice or their own practice rather quickly. Yeah, which is something yeah. that traditionally I don't think Princeton is particularly strong in. Well. Is I I think it is I think it is because as opposed to Harvard or Yale where most of the graduates end up working for somebody else for a while in Princeton there are more people who can teach a little bit can do competitions with some friends uh, and between one thing and another they get by and they teach and they do competitions or they practice or they do exhibitions and eventually I think that that path <coughs> is interesting and it's a, it's a path that I, I didn't do it I, I work for I worked during during my studies in, in Madrid and then I work for REM and uh, and that that's fine I mean that's a kind of uh, perfectly legitimate way of uh, of uh, uh, continuing your your career but it doesn't need to be. I, I think that that you can also, if you have sufficient convictions and you have done your homework and, and you've uh, fine-tuned the number of uh, skills and you know who is your audience and to what audience are you targeting your practice, <coughs> I think that you can come out of the school and set up your own practice uh, by supporting yourself perhaps perhaps by teaching a little bit here and there and uh, uh, and I, I think that at that kind of hybrid type of practice Princeton has excelled you mentioned audience I think in, in a few other interviews as well like mm -hmm. who, who do you think is um, is an audience is an interesting audience now because uh, to a certain extent like mm -hmm. the um, the audience that was looking for a fancy curvy museum in in southern Spain no longer exists. That's right. That's absolutely um, right. What is the new audience? What is the, the new people that architecture has to learn to interact with in order to produce new ideas? I I mean, this is something that I've been uh, thinking for, for already for some time, and is, that is what I'm going to say about the audience that, that I am... In, or one of the audiences that I am interested in is not, uh, is not new. It has existed, and it actually grew 
grew out of the period of the kind of star architects or the celebrity architects. There is a, there is a very large population of uh, people who are now becoming middle class, who are well educated, uh, and who are able to, in some way, appreciate architecture as clients. But they're not the, the kind of people that are going to fly in Frank Gehry for a meeting uh, in a private jet. There is a, there is a growing middle class that is concerned with, uh, with design. The, sa the same way that, and, and unfortunately, architects have not been able to deliver design at a relatively inexpensive cost. So design, as we understand it now, is only delivered at very expensive costs. Very high fees, very high construction costs, very inefficient uh, environmental performances sometimes. Uh, how can we deliver quality architecture by using modest means? What kind of architecture is the architecture that will that will be produced by deploying this kind of modest means? So is that is that a question that you want to direct the school as a whole to try and, and engage with? No, no. I mean, not necessarily. I, I don't think that this. Uh, obviously, I will be very happy uh, to to see some research in that uh, in that field, and I think that maybe some of the things that. Sylvia is doing now with the anonymous uh, seminar are talking in that in that direction, uh, but uh, but not necessarily. I mean, I think that th this is an important audience. But there are other important audiences. There is the audience of of the people who use, and this is an audience that I am particularly concerned with. And I've done already studios about this. The audience of the people who use uh, social media. I think that there is also a very big audience that of of consumers uh, of architecture that are 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 now and are going to be increasingly concerned with uh, buying architecture that is environmentally conscious. There is uh, also another audience or another field of potential in everything that has to do with um, with digital fabrication and embodied computation. I think that uh, you, know, you, you open the newspaper and every day there is an article about the latest uh, robot technology that now is able to produce this and that. And, uh, and, and, I, and this is a technology that, that is going to change homes and is going to change uh, offices. Uh, how computation will transform of the future is, uh, is, uh, is also an audience, an important audience. So I, I would like Princeton to be able to address these audiences. I guess the, the question is prompted uh, somewhat by the fact that uh, this year the studio critics are extremely good. Uh, you have Obuchi that's doing a very material-based research and trying to come up with, with um, new material properties to mm -hmm. work with. Uh, Liam Young that is making a film, essentially, mm -hmm. and, and not so much trying to distill an architecture, architectural component, but mm -hmm. like sort of the whole landscape uh, mm -hmm. all at once. Um, and and, and Masanti, which is, who is extremely traditional mm -hmm. in the way that he approaches architecture, yet comes up with very uh, sort of non-traditional mm. uh, approaches for the environment that he's operating in. Uh, can you talk about like, what prompted your uh, decisions mm. in terms of selecting faculty, and, and how do you think uh, the current selection is going to change what you choose uh, next, or who you choose next? Well, I, I have to say that uh, Giancarlo was not chosen by me, but by Stan. And I think he was right. So I, mean, I, I could say, yes, I got him because I, I would be supportive of what he does. But, uh, but that was something that Stan organized before I, I took over. In the case, in the case of uh, Liam and, uh, and Yusuke, whether finally has work or not, they promised that they were going to be here. 
all the time. And I think that by comparison with other years, they've been here quite a lot. And I think that that, that level of uh, intensity is very important and, and is, is sorely missing in the, in, in the school. It, that was another one of my feelings, that I, I thought that uh, the Princeton students were very professional, no? like they would, you would wake up at nine, kind of work until seven or whatever, and then you had a kind of very organized, I'm sure it's not like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, sure it, <laughs> I'm sure it's not like that, but, but it feels a little bit like that. It feels as if people are kind of thinking and, uh, and uh, it, may be a, it may be a total fiction. Uh, but when you are teaching, that's what you feel. In, instead, when you are teaching at the AA, you feel that people are there all night and that they work very hard. And, and when you are at Columbia, I think also, I think Columbia, there is a, there is a certain atmosphere of, uh, of intensity, of being all the time in the studio, of almost like a kind of competition to see who is tougher and, and uh, survives longer without sleeping and these these kind of things that, that may be totally ineffective but I, I think that kind of ethos to to the to the to the work is is very important to, to construct and, and I've always had the feeling that here the students were just having a, I mean were in some ways very too well organized and too capable of shutting down the shop at a certain time and, and going to sleep by, com by comparison with other schools. I, I, I may be wrong. One of the things that I think distinguished Princeton as opposed to um, Harvard or Yale or Columbia mm. is that, um, and, and this is something that you're promoting to mm. a great degree, is that people are, are actually here. I mean, yeah. Harvard uh, talked, you know, Rem Kohlhaas written in bold letters and he shows up two or three times a year. Mm -hmm. and. You had studio with Rem, but not not really, hmm. um, which w I think is uh, a very positive thing. Uh, thing in Princeton, and I guess what you're hmm. what you're supporting. But for um, Liam Young and Yusuke Ibuchi, was part of uh, the decision had to do with the way that they practice and the way that they produce. The case of Liam is uh, I, I've been interested in Liam for for some time already. I met him in London at the AA in an external examination, and I, I think that he is incredibly interesting. I, I, I mean, you may question whether he ends up with buildings or not, but uh, I, I think that if there is a place where these kind of experiments can take place, is Princeton. Uh, at perhaps at Harvard and Yale, they have great students. They have a great system of. Uh, of delivering projects, but I'm interested. I think that the people who should be teaching here are people who are exploring something that is on the border, uh, not 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 the mainstream practice. I think that that is something that can be done in other places. I think that here we need to promote younger people with uh, with a certain agenda, and who also I think are great examples for. For the students, I, I, I think that the, these people like them are the people that I would like to produce in the school, not people who go and work for for somebody for a while and then set up their practice and then have a, three partners and then grow and blah, 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 <coughs> that, which is absolutely fine. It's, it's just that I don't think it's the forte of Princeton, right. and I'm trying to kind of capitalize on the on the capacities, so, you know, the, the 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 person who gave me the key to the to my bid to the to the deanship was Frank Gehry, because I was teaching that term in Yale, and I bumped into him, and he told me, oh, I hear that you are doing the the Princeton uh, thing, and blah blah blah, and yes, it's very important that there are some designers there because you know they are running number eighteen in the in the list of this desirable uh, uh, pe people people were looking at 18 other schools in the US before looking to Princeton students to hire people and and you know from the prestige of the university and the resources available Princeton should be the first or the second and then I thought well maybe actually that's not so bad uh, maybe what we need to promote is for uh, students not to have to work for other people, but to 
be able to position themselves and position them, themselves in, in, in an intelligent way, not, not in a kind of naive way of, of thinking, oh, I'm a visionary and I don't give a damn about uh, how to implement my project. One day somebody will recognize that I'm a genius and will give me the money to do it. No, you, you, you target a certain audience. You know that the stuff that you are, that you are researching is something that will be interesting for somebody. And, uh, and that is what is going to give you the, the, the means to implement your, your projects. I guess that's another thing that uh, in Princeton is more uh, difficult, again, due to scale amongst other things, maybe, um, is that I think a lot of the architecture schools are engaged in an arms race of publication, of uh, fabrication tools, of output in, mm. in general. Mm. And as a school, I think Princeton has a hard time fitting into that because obviously there, there are not as many students mm -hmm. uh, producing, you know, whole series of hardcover hmm. books the same way that Harvard does is not a possibility, nor is it desirable, in, hmm. in, in my opinion. Um, and how, how, what do you think would be a possibility? Well, I, I, I mean, I slightly disagree with, uh, with that. I, I think that uh, the example of this is Beatrice. Beatrice is also right. uh, here in a small school, and, and I can't think of any history department that in any other architecture school that has the presence that, that she has in, in that part of the discipline. So you, you don't need to be 500 students. You need to come up with intelligent questions and intelligent products in your area of expertise. I'm interested in that. I'm interested in, in, in the model of uh, media modernity. I'm interested in the model of uh, of how she works with the PhDs. I mean, I, I don't buy this thing that the PhDs are... I mean, you hear complaints from people saying, oh, but unless you're interested in what Beatrice is doing, she's not going to be looking at your thesis and whatever. Logically, I mean, if you go to mathematics or if you go to physics, you go to a work in a, in a lab with somebody who is doing a certain research. And otherwise, you go somewhere else. But don't come here and demand that you are spoon-fed whatever you want because that's not going to educate you and it's going to be totally counterproductive in building up your psychological makeup in order to uh, survive the profession you need to i think that the, the princeton students are i sometimes i think that they are spoiled and that is not necessarily a good thing for building up uh, the, the independence and the resilience that you need to survive. I was actually thinking about that, again, in, in relation to the uh, interview that you had done in the past for the Village Institute, and you talk about a model of uh, the a la carte, yeah. uh, which to a certain extent, I mean, still, still exists, and I think maybe to a great extent in the output that you see from a lot of schools and, and the schools that produce more print, you can see it more clearly that someone does a prop, you know, see a portfolio and does a little bit of SADA, he does a little bit of OMA, exactly. and he does a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Um, and there's not always a, sort of a clarity um, mm. to the work. So, so I, I support opposing that, but are you suggesting that more uh, studios create um, either print material or web material? Yeah, more studios and seminars. I, I think that that is important that, uh, that it's important that you understand that your work is public. I mean, the work of architects is, is public. Once you do a, a, a project, it's something that is immediately in the public realm that has to engage with uh, clients, with users, with um, urban processes. Tom Weaver, who is a Princeton graduate and who is now running the AA publications for a number of years, yeah, I uh, he is, uh, I mean, the way he, he described what the, how the AA was formed. And uh, <coughs> the AA probably was the first school to realize that a school of architecture is a series of experimental labs and teaching activities and, and, and 
maybe an archive and but there is also a kind of broadcasting machine attached to it because it's important that whatever you are doing has a certain impact in in a, in a public discussion you you open Archinect or something like that and they are lots of people blogging from Harvard and and DAA I don't know whether there's anybody from Princeton and we are supposed to be the best writers so I don't understand why the school doesn't produce more 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 bloggers so I'm assuming the website is gonna try and provide uh, an outlet of sorts a platform yeah a platform yeah, we, we are trying to develop that and it's not easy and it's going maybe too slow but uh, but we are upgrading that the the exhibition space or the kind of new gallery has also the purpose of uh, exhibiting work from tutors or alumni or groups of uh, students uh, so that the, the work in the school is not just somebody flying in and out and doing a little experiment in a corner of the building and leaving but that there that we manage to create some sort of public debate which I, I mean, to a certain extent, that's like within architecture that that, that debate is very much alive now. I mean, I think it, it yeah. seems to me like there's a period of, of huge um, uncertainty, um, which, you know, the, the to tie it to the um, the lecture series. I mean, that's part of mm -hmm. the agenda. I'm guessing, like trying yeah. to solve what it is that. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, the school should be doing next, or the discipline should be doing next. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you think? you've learned that uh, or a direction that you've been thinking about since uh, the lectures have started of course you learn things and you you see what people are thinking and especially for me it's interesting to listen to people who are also younger than me generally and uh, who have who are now starting to face certain problems and and i think who i think when you are younger you have a more acute sensibility because you are, you are, you have your antenna all the time connected, and maybe when you get more established, you lose a little bit of that uh, flimsiness, but also uh, sensibility. And so I'm, I'm genuinely curious to see what uh, people who have come out of here have encountered when, when, when they've tried to to find their their way. It is quite obvious when you look at all these different presentations that <clears throat> we live in a world where an architecture school is not just about teaching but it's also about engaging in, in a debate uh, broadcasting content but we don't have i mean yale has perspecta harvard has the harvard graduate the harvard design magazine columbia columbia actually doesn't have anything oh, oh yes exactly well, volume exactly um DAA has DAA files, so every school of architecture in the world that matters has uh, uh, quite a consolidated publication, except Princeton. Okay, we have Pidgin, but Pidgin is like a little bit uh, nowhere, as far as I can tell. Now it's very difficult, and, and you know that's that's what that's that's my job. My job is to convince the the, the you know faculty and the university that architecture is a different discipline and that architecture needs things that uh, maybe ma mathematics don't. Uh, and that, that's not, not easy. I get maybe um, from you know, at least the, the times I've heard you speak it, at the school, it seems like there, there are a few things that you are um, extremely clear on and, and you know precisely where uh, you want to go, and that would be uh, the, the publication, for instance, and, and the creation of voice. And then there are a lot of things that uh, you seem to um, to not have the answer to, and be very conscious of. Uh, and, and I mean that in the mm. most positive of ways, maybe in contrast to um, some of the deans of some of the other schools. I mean, Bob Stern would be sort of a... Yeah. a <laughs> the example par excellence, but even even maybe uh, uh, Mark Wigley or or uh, Preston Scott Cohen, which seem to have a um, very strong um, I don't know if 
agenda is the right way to call it, but, but they have a very particular output and a very particular uh, pursuit. And in, in some ways, I feel like you're in maybe the same position uh, that I'm in, that maybe you don't know where architecture is heading next. Hmm. Um, is that, first, is that, is that true to, to any extent? No, it's, it's true. It's true. I am, uh, I am a little bit uh, confused right now. I, I thought that architecture was going somewhere for two decades. And I engaged in, in that uh, process of uh, architecture going somewhere. And I think that most of the premises upon which I thought architecture was going to continue have collapsed. And so it's very difficult to know where it is, uh, where it is going now. Which, for, for me as a student, this makes things uh, far more intriguing because mm. you know, we both don't know precisely where uh, the discipline should be headed mm. or what it can do, but you come with far more tools than, than mm. I do. Uh, so, so that makes, um, I guess it makes me feel like I can leave a stronger impression and have a stronger voice because um, maybe you don't know precisely where mm things stand. Hmm. Um, that said, where do you think that the school will be, or where would you like to see the school in, let's say, five or ten years, as far as scale, as far as output, <clears throat> as far as the type of work undertaken? Well, I, I mean, in terms of uh, scale, everybody who is in the trade comes to Princeton and says, but why don't you grow? Because if you grew, you would have more critical mass and you, you will have um, more, perhaps, opportunities for students to develop uh, other, other activities. And, and it is it's true, but, but it's true on a graduate level. Because finally, undergrad, you know, they, these people are floating, they decide to concentrate in architecture, they don't, they are not supposed to be learning the tools of the trade, so, so they're a, a different animal. But on a graduate level, I, I think that uh, the program would be stronger if it was bigger. But the university is totally uninterested in, in uh, the, the, I mean, not totally interested, I'm exaggerating, but is not interested in, <coughs> in uh, professional programs, because Princeton doesn't have professional this is an anomaly, and maybe Woodrow Wilson has another professional program, and the School of Music has another professional program. But everybody else is, is either doing undergrads or is doing PhDs and research. The graduate program, the university would not want to grow because every one of you costs uh, quite a lot of money to the university. Many of you are the best, the best people get full tuition, get, I mean, the, the treatment of Princeton to the students that are admitted, I think is better than any, uh, any other place. And they like that. I, I don't like it so much because, because what I said before, I, mean, I, I think it's very nice that uh, Princeton is so generous to uh, talented students. And, but there is a certain sense of entitlement that the students have of these, you know, I can sit here and ask you questions for an hour without doing a line because I'm so smart and, and you know the university wants me here. Uh, so basically, the university will tell you that they don't want to grow the graduate program because it's too expensive and it's finally professional. It's not. It's not research. So the areas of growth that I see <coughs> is PhDs, research, uh, and ideally uh, research that will balance the, the areas of knowledge that we have now in the school. We, we know we have a very strong history and, and theory program. There are books that are being published by this, uh, by this program. It, it is a program with, uh, which, which enters into the public uh, debate. We have nothing like that for computation. We have nothing like that for environmental. We have nothing like that for structural design. 
we have nothing like that for urbanism. Uh, we have nothing like that for, I don't know, planning, uh, landscape. We, we could imagine a number of other fields growing research. You know, I think the situation is very unbalanced. The school has been investing nearly 40% of their teaching resources in history and theory. And as much as I am very supportive of the program, and I've, I've said it uh, several times, no architect de dedicates, no practicing architect that I know dedicates more than two or three percent of uh, his or her time to do historical research. It's just, I mean, historical research is important, it, it should happen, it's, it's interesting, but we need to balance the fields of knowledge and we need to tap onto fields of knowledge that that have a certain future. And what are those? Computation, environmental technologies. We used to have uh, back Mr. Fuller working here, so this, this thing that Princeton has a kind of theoretical tradition, etc. It's true because Princeton finally is is a spin-off of the of art and archaeology, is, and is still considered within the university as a humanities. But in in in, re, in, in remaining there, we are not we are not helping ourselves. So you're, you you are planning on bringing more people that are involved in um, action, uh, as opposed to. Uh, theorizing or, or reflection. But, you know, for, for me, the, 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 the practice is, is deeply theoretical. I don't, I don't see that differentiation. I think, I think what I'm more skeptical is about the idea that in order to learn architecture, you need to look at the history of architecture. Uh, the history of architecture, I think, is becoming increasingly relevant, frankly. Uh, but maybe I'm thinking is one of the ways in which the school can grow in the way that you're thinking of uh, by engaging um, other departments. Uh, so I, I know that recently Slavoj Žižek had uh, used um, some of your work, uh, uh, the, the work where you, where you were arguing the envelope. I know that you've been interested in uh, Peter Sloterdijk for, for a while. Do you think we should engage more of those departments? Yes, I mean, basically what the two things that I'm doing now, one of them is uh, trying to address the fact that we have nobody uh, on a full-time position investigating energy and in the environment. I mean, that's in this day and age is almost embarrassing. We used to have Victor Olgiai, who is the father of uh, environmental design in the 30s here. In the 40s, I can't remember, maybe later than the, than the 30s. And now there is nobody. There is Mahadev, who I, I think is a great guy and, and comes here and we should definitely have it. But he's not here full time. He's a, he's a big practitioner. How is it possible that we have, uh, we have uh, maybe we, now we have uh, Axel, who has been here for, for three years, but, but uh, still very... Uh, very an accessible laboratory with uh, a kind of workshop or, or we have no robotic arms, we have no infrastructure to produce. I mean, you go to Michigan or you go to SIAC and the facilities they have to explore something that is going to be crucial in the, in the future, which is uh, digital production. Yes, I mean, you we can keep producing great academics to send them to other institutions, but I, I frankly find more interesting to produce people who will be able to engage with uh, also with the environment. I mean, we should produce academics too, but uh, not, not, we should not produce only academics. So do you see uh, some of these technologies and, and environmental issues as being part of maybe the next architecture revolution or, or the next step? Certainly. Certainly. I mean, the industry of architecture is going to be driven by those two areas in the next 20 or 30 years. And I think that if you talk to people in the industry, nobody would question that. There are places like uh, the ETH that is investing massive amounts of money in, uh, 
in new laboratories, in new facilities to uh, understand how to operate with these uh, with these machines. And I agree to a certain extent, but then a lot of what the ETH has done, uh, at least from, from what I've seen, mm -hmm. again, for, through the internet, is they've produced uh, robots that build walls. Yeah. And they've been going through that same exercise using different curvatures for a very long period of time. Mm, no, but you're not... Uh, they do many other things. They do... They do things with additive, um, almost like with glue that uh, crystallizes sand and things like that. And, and that's just one department. You don't know that there is also Philip Block and there, is, uh, there are a number of, of other uh, professors uh, at the Institute of uh, Technology and Architecture which, is, which are doing very, very interesting research on environmental design, on transport, on, on things. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that we become some sort of MIT. I, 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 don't, I don't think that it's about suddenly doing everything uh, or, or shifting everything towards uh, technology, but right now, to me, and it may be, I may be an outsider and I may be stupid, it looks as if we are, we have like a super musculous uh, uh, leg and the other one that is totally atrophic. And so we are limping. Yeah, I guess may maybe to, to um, you know, judging by the people I know that have graduated to, uh, to a certain extent, I agree with your stance. I mean, I see that they have, some of them have one set of tools and some of them have a different set of tools, but rarely do you get like a, a very full, um, rarely do you get someone that's, that's waiting to open his own practice or, or will do it immediately. And, and that, that is lacking. Well, it, but it may be that, uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that we need to teach people all the, the I think that what we can teach better than anybody else, is how to do a project, not not how to, not how to uh, know of about everything in order to do a project. But the the attitude, the intelligence, the strategies in order to push forward a, a, a project. That's where I think that Princeton has been successful in the past, and uh, and I think that this is an area that. I believe it can be developed. And then maybe to, to end, uh, if you care to talk about how, you're, how you plan on continuing your personal practice uh, in relation to Princeton, and whether you think those two things are going to start informing each other, or whether you're going to have to you know, drop one in favor of the other, or you know, sort of release some of your control over one in favor of the other. And where, where that is going? Well, this, this is this is what is happening now. Obviously, I'm not in I'm, my practice is now in Barcelona and in London. Uh, those are offices that I cannot stop because they are doing projects that are under construction and, and they need to have people there. Um, I have the kind of um, typical question on whether I have to set up my, my local practice in the US in New York or in Princeton. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, some people are telling me, well, since you have your offices in, in, in Europe, leave it in Europe and keep, keep going back and forth and keep, uh, keep an eye on, on what is happening there. Now there is not a lot of work in Europe, so it's a good time also to be thinking what, what to do next. Uh, and then open a sort of uh, more speculative experimental practice in Princeton and have your local clients come to see you here as a kind of boutique um, uh, so don't compete for the corporate stuff compete for the really sophisticated stuff and 
and use the Princeton environment uh, in a way as a as a showcase of of your engagement with a kind of higher level of uh, performance. Thank you so much for talking to me. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was it was uh, interesting. <laughs> You've been listening to an interview with the incoming Dean of Princeton University School of Architecture, Alejandro Zerapolo. Thanks to Ishai Yudekovitz, Master's Student in Architecture at Princeton University, for being our host, and to Alejandro Zerapolo, the new Dean of Princeton School of Architecture, for being our guest. The interview was produced for Attention, the audio journal for architecture, by Laura Ategi and Griffin Ofish.